If I'm smiling, it's because I'm happy. <laughs> Sorry, I'm in New Zealand. If I'm smiling, it's because I'm hippie. <laughs> if you're hippie and you know it, clap your hands. I feel the spirit of naughtiness just entered the room. It's somewhere around here, I'm not sure. Cast it. You're Jay. I laid hands on you, you didn't lay hands on me, bro. Get out of my head. I think part of what Father wants to restore is a Christianity that is as Father intends and it's not some religious word version of it. I think part of the call of God and David McCracken Ministries, I feel it very strong in my life, has demystified this whole prophetic thing. This, you know, the perception that people have of prophets and prophetic people, unfortunately a lot of prophetic people haven't helped because it seems to be the more spiritual you are, the more weird you are. <laughs> Prophetic intercessors sometimes are the craziest people. No, no, no. I don't think that's the way. Uh, who knows what might come out tomorrow? But there's a, there's a, there's a verse that says about Jesus: the common people heard Jesus gladly. Our lives attract people to God. Our words attract people to God. And I want to just download. I know I haven't told you anything about myself, I just realised, but I don't generally do that because sometimes I fear that we make it too much about us and not enough about God. Is that cool? So if you want to know about me, I'm a man who's deeply loved by God. Amen. Done. I want to talk. Actually, no, Holy Spirit just said, no, just take a moment. Tell them something about yourself. So I'll do that. Is that okay? Um, I'm actually one of you. I'm sorry. <laughs> I was actually, I'm actually originally born in New Zealand. Yay! Sorry, Auckland, but still the mainland, not the South Island. Um, I was born. I was going to say at a very young age, but that's just stupid. Um, <laughs> Jay, stop it. <laughs> so I lived in Auckland for 19 and a half years. Dad started pastoring a church up there in Manukau, Manurea. Actually, whose mum goes there? Greg's mum goes there. There you go. The church that my dad started two months before I was born uh, in 1973. So I'm 43. There you go. Um, and I am young, I <laughs> and um, and lived there from a very very early age. I just the way the only way I can describe it is when others were wanting to go out and play sports and watch movies. I just wanted to sit and worship God, and I my he gave me a gift for music, and I just loved playing the piano. I remember a ten, eleven, twelve year old sit there literally for three or four hours and just play the piano and worship and. And the reason I tell you that is I know beyond a shadow of a doubt it had nothing to do with me. 
I can just say, it's just like the, you know, in Samuel, the little boy in the temple, and God's calling him Samuel, Samuel, and he thinks it must be Eli, and runs and runs, and finally the old man who's walked with God his whole life suddenly realized it was, might have been God speaking, something in there. Um, he said, go and say, speak, Lord. And I realized at a young age God chose me. But the reality is he chose all of us. He chose all of us. And, and so I've always had a passion for God's word, a passion for God's presence, a passion for worship. And I was involved in the church life there in Manukau. And then at 19 and a half, um, we moved as a family to Melbourne, Australia. And uh, that was 24 years ago now. So um, well over half my life there in Melbourne. And, and uh, so I say I call myself a quasi, a Kiwi-crossed Aussie. Actually, let's be fair, I'm probably much more Aussie than I am Kiwi now. I say to people, I'm an Aussie through and through, unless the All Blacks are playing, and then I'm still a Kiwi. (laughs) And when people struggle with that, I say, well, I just go to be theologically sound. If God Almighty barracks for the All Blacks, who am I to go against God? (laughs) Don't ask for a scripture and verse, but it's I speak the truth. And so I'm a man deeply loved by God, and I went over there in nine and a half, and, and um, my family. I'm going to do this because I've got the microphone, and I can. Let me get get you a picture. This is a few years ago when I had hair. Don't laugh. I said, "Don't laugh." Yeah. If you keep on going, Jay, you're going to be asked to leave. <laughs> okay, there you go. Everyone go, oh. So that's my wife and my two precious daughters. <laughs> Don't mock me. <laughs> Statue bro. Um, okay. And uh, so I've been, I've been married 22 years. My eldest daughter, Carolee, is 24. <laughs> One Kiwi that can count. <laughs> Some of you think the anointing's left the room. <clears throat> Jay, can you start playing again? No, I'm just joking, sit down. Again, if we're not careful, we'll think that God's fickle. The music stops and God leaves. What in the script? Bless you. Amen. Um, one of the scriptures that it declares about God that I don't think as believers we're fully stepped into is it says, in his presence is fullness of joy. The fruit of God's spirit is love, joy, right there, bang. Love, joy, love, joy, joy. I think what God wants to restore joy to his people and he wants to have, it's okay to have fun when we're hanging out with God. God. God is good. And I've been married 22 years. My eldest daughter is 24, Carolee. Brianna in two weeks' time will be 21. And as my brother quickly did the math in his head, Something's not wrong with that equation, uh, right with that equation. And, uh, and I'd just like to say at that point, aren't you glad that God's grace is greater than your sin? 
That's a revelation, isn't it, Pastor, that we need to continue to live in. Sometimes if we're not careful, and I've got to say this has been part of my journey, sometimes I think I'm a better sinner than I am. Almost like somehow my sin somehow tops over God's ability to be forgiving and gracious and kind. And I feel God would say to me and say to you, don't disqualify what I've qualified. We're not qualified based on what we've done. See, we're not saved by our works and we're not sustained by our works. The same grace that saved us sustains us. Isn't that good? We, we believe in a saving grace. I think... We need to, and I speak to myself, we need to believe in a sustaining grace as well as a saving grace. Amen? Amen. And sometimes we want to know the details on who was it? Was it him? Was it her? Was it they? You know, when it comes to 24 and 22. And isn't that, again, just subtly the way so many times in Christian life, even as Christians, it's so much about what we've done, what we haven't done. It needs to become a bit more about what God has done and who he is. God is good. So can I just download a bit of this on my heart for us as leaders? Is that cool? Will you help draw it out of me? Praise God. Father, right now, Holy Spirit, I just pray that you bring revelation of truth. I know you gave me a very clear phrase. I just feel right now I need you to speak. I'm not here to get through notes. I'm here for you to get get through to all of us in a way that speaks what you want us to speak. In Jesus' name, have your way. Is this a leaders meeting? So let me see your hands if you're a leader. Okay, let me see your hands if you're a Christian or a leader. Up high, up high, up high. Praise God, I'm in the right room. Thank you. (laughs) I want to speak something to you. Here's a phrase. And I want you to go on a little bit of a journey through God's word with me. And here's the phrase God said for Saturday night, and that is a life worth following. God told me I've got to speak about a life worth following. A life worth following. I want to start in the right place, and the right place is Jesus. How many people know that's always the right place? Again, a life worth following, we can start about us. It's not, it, we've got to start with Jesus. And I want to start... Looking at Jesus for a moment because he's our example in all things, including leadership. Amen. And there's two words I want to uh, bring out just for a moment. We see this several times. You guys know your your word because you guys are, are leaders and you guys are followers of Christ. And you guys live saturating yourself in the word and don't rely upon your pastors to do so. But you daily feed yourself and you listen to the word and you dig into the word and go deeper in the word and you memorize the word, don't you? Amen. God bless you. And... um can I just, if I do that, it's because me and God are just having a conversation. Actually, he's having a conversation, I'm listening. Let me just step sideways. Every believer, you guys are leaders, know that we should read the Bible. Correct? How many would be honest enough to say, at least at times I know I, I, I should read the Bible more? And I should bum. Okay, look at me. I want to give you a word of freedom. No, you shouldn't. See, how many people, let's talk about prayer for a second. How many people know know that sometimes we should pray a bit more? Anyone else? 
you know, you're not whipping on your hands now because of what I just said before. <laughs> Otherwise, if I hadn't said that, many hands would have gone up, correct? Here's the thing that God shifted in me, and this one little thing shifted things in my world. And I, right now, I'm empowering you. Is that cool? Right now, I'm releasing something over your life. That's what I want to shift something in your life. So often I say to people, do you know how many people know they sh- should pray more? Yeah, yeah. How many people know they should read the Bible more? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I said, that, it, that, that language itself subtly is actually that which disempowers us. We have this theory of I should, I must, as if it's something that we uh, somehow need to do. Uh, let, let me explain it this way. I think about someone who I probably respect almost more than anyone on the planet. I mean, my dad's right up there. Uh, but I think of someone like a Billy Graham. Anyone heard of Billy Graham? Come on, he's almost 100 years old. He's just seen hundreds of millions of people come into the kingdom. He's, he's just a man that, if I could have 10 minutes in that room, I mean, seriously, if I could have 10 minutes in the room just to talk to him, I'd be on cloud nine. So what would happen if someone said to me, hey, um, Billy Graham is actually here, and he's actually asked, to have 10 minutes with you. Would you like to have 10 minutes? How many people know my response is not, oh, I probably should do that. Yeah, no. Nah. Uh, yeah, okay. Yeah, let, no, come on. I should do that. How many people are going, hang on. Why would he even want to spend that time with me? I mean, he, how does he even know I exist? He wants to have that time with me. I'd cancel things. I'd move things. I'd shift things to have 10 minutes. And somehow we buy into the lie subtly that somehow we must, we should spend time with the God Almighty Creator of heaven and earth. Hang on. We need to replace I should, I must with I get to. You want to actually be empowered to pray and empowered to read the Bible? I get to. I get to read this. The primary purpose of God's Word is not to teach us how to live, but to reveal what God is like. A.W. Tozer said in this uh, evil world, um, we have lost God amid the wonders of His world. Isn't that true? You look at some of the nature shows. I love watching some of those wildlife programs. And David Attenborough, and here's a man who sees all the fascination of God. Can't see God anywhere in there. And he said, modern man has lost God amidst the wonders of his world. We Christians are in real danger of losing God amidst the wonders of his word. We so often read the word to apply the word. We read the word saying, what is required of me? Because we have subtly made it about us once again. And I want to tell you, the primary purpose of God's word is not to teach you what you should be like. It's not to tell you something to do. It's actually to reveal the God of the word. The word of God is to reveal the God of the word. But we don't look, we don't find him in his word because we don't look for him in this word. We read the word, not wanting to be hearers only, but doers. And we have subtly made it the primary purpose is for me to read this and put it into practice so I can be a good Christian. This subtle shift. I feel so contained in this body right now. This, this, this subtle shift started to change my life. I was out walking and God said to me, Steve, you don't find me in my word because you don't look for me in my, in my word. You read the word to apply the word. And I said, no, I don't. And he goes, yes, you do, and God wins. And then he started I'm walking along. This is exactly what happened. I'm walking along, and, and this is God speaking to me. I want you to get this. I want you to get this. Are you listening? 
God said to me, he said, Steve, do you, do you remember when Peter asked me, how many times do I need to forgive? I said, yeah, I know that story. I was thinking, yeah, I know that one. He goes, seven times, because he probably thinks most people will give up after three times. And he goes, how about I'll go the extra mile, seven times. And God said, to, Jesus said to him, not seven times, but 70 times seven. And the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment, walking down that path with God. And he says, that is first and foremost a revelation of my heart towards humanity, that you can't exhaust my grace and my forgiveness, but you've never seen me in that passage because you never look for me in that passage. You read that passage and your first thing is, God, help me to become more forgiving. And he started to show me every other scripture, how I automatically step into, God, help me to do this more so that I can honor you. All the while missing what it actually says about God himself. I think it's 1 Corinthians 3.18 or 2 Corinthians 3.18. It says, And we all with our face having been unveiled. <gasps> Revelation. Beholding the glory of the Lord. Watch this, watch this. Beholding the glory. <gasps> wow, breath away because we're reading the word and we're looking for God. Wow, that's he's a 70 times 7 God. We can't exhaust his mercy and grace. I'm not looking for me, I'm looking for God. I start to see him. <gasps> wow, and I get a revelation of that. And we behold in his glory as in a mirror. That's how clearly we're seeing. We are being transformed into that image from glory to glory, but by the Lord's Spirit. See, we'll either try to become more like Jesus or we will focus on him because we we become like what we behold. And most of our life, we're beholding ourselves, so we're just becoming more like ourselves. I haven't started my notes yet. <laughs> Gosh, is speaking. Is this cool? You want to be empowered to read the Bible? Number one, change it from I must or I should to I get to. I get to. I get to. I get to. Men, <laughs> seriously. I, I drive now. I drive now. I've been driving for a long time. I, <laughs> quiet. Um, I, I drive, you know, for hours and five for hours and all that sort of stuff. And, and I love putting on the Word of God. I've got it on my iPad, put it through the Bluetooth on my car, and I'll drive for an hour, two, three, and I won't read one verse or two verses. I'll literally have 15, 17, 20 chapters of God's Word just wash over me. And people say, I couldn't really do that because I wouldn't really take it all in. I don't take it all in, but there's something. (laughs) It washes you. It transforms you. You get this, watch it, bird's eye view. Hey! You get this bird's eye view from God's perspective of what he's saying. You get bogged down in a verse and you get, and you see this thing, but you zoom out and you see the context. You see what God's doing, the narrative of God's story, but you see God, 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 God. I want to beg you. I want to beg you. I want to beg you as believers, leaders in the church of God, be people of God's word. Get familiar with it is written. It is written. It is written. Psalm 119 verse 11 says, I have hidden your word in my heart, so I will not sin against you. How much of God's word do you know, not how much do you read? So many people say, I read the Bible. Nowhere in the Bible do I find it say read the Bible. It says meditate on it day and night. It says hidden it in your word in my heart. You know, Jesus at the age of 12 was in the temple. He was memorizing the word. He was talking about the word. And so when he goes out in Matthew chapter 4, after being baptized and led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted, isn't that interesting? Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. 
Jesus led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted. Oh, he came and the enemy comes and starts attacking him. How did he overcome? It is written. Listen to me. Listen to me. The Son of God declared the Word of God and overcame the power of the enemy. And God spoke to me in that moment when I read that. And he said, the, the Holy Spirit will only bring back to our remembrance what we have put in. He did not know the Word because he was the Son of God. He, he, he put that aside and came down as a human being. And the only reason he knew the Word was at 12, he was putting the Word in his heart. He was putting the Word in his heart. He was meditating and memorizing the Word of God. And so when it was needed, the Holy Spirit said, now I can draw out what you put in there. We have many Christians who don't know what God's Word says. And when they need it, they, need, they say, oh, I know the Bible says something. Can, can you just hang on a sec? Can I Google something? Can I concord in something? And it's like the, the enemy doesn't wait. It is written. You can't say it is written unless you know what's written. I'm not sure what's so funny. How much of God's Word do you know? John 8, 32, 33. No, John 8, 31, 32. To the Jews who believed him, Jesus said, watch this, if you hold to my teaching, you're my disciples, then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. See, naturally, that's the wrong order. How can you hold on to what you don't know? He says, if you hold to my teaching, you're my disciples, then you'll know it. He's not talking about knowing as in knowing the words. He's saying, if you anchor yourself and you start to stubbornly declare, this is what God says, this is what God says when your feelings, when your circumstances, when your situation, when your finance, when your health, when your emotions don't believe it, and you keep on declaring what God says, keep on declaring what God says, keep on declaring God says because you know what God says, and you hold to you, you anchor yourself around it. He goes, then one day there will come a drop in your spirit, and that which you know as in uh, you read it and you med- memorized it, you'll actually know it deep in your spirit. We need to hold on before we get the knowing. But my question is, how much of God's word do you know? I'm so glad I got brought up in a, you know, when I was a kid, every week I memorized the scripture. Part of the Christian school I went to, and I praise God, because the Holy Spirit still brings it back to me now. And over the years I've memorized so much of it. And one of the ways I've been preaching for years, decades, and part of it was, you know, when it was easier to copy and paste some scriptures, you know, I'd sit there and I'd type them all out. I'd type them all out. Why? Because I was saying, God, I want to get this in me. I want to, if that's one of the ways I'm going to memorize it. And then I read it over and I read it over and I read it over. And I praise God. I am not a naturally gifted, learned, skillful person. I am not. I'm not putting myself down. I'm calling a spade a spade. I didn't do well at school. I, I, I'm not. I just don't get stuff. What you're talking about, I don't get. But I had a heart and a passion for God's word from a young age. And it's like God responded to the, the, the cry of my heart. So he gave me this, this ability to be able to memorize God's word and just, just get revelation from his word. And I thought, man, God, I, I'd rather that. I'd rather that a million times over than know a lot of stuff that doesn't affect me or anyone else for eternity. Do you want to know God's word? Ask him, God, give me a desire. Give me a desire to know your word. Give me a desire to be in your word. Give me a desire and help me memorize God's word. I've got a person on our ministry team, so this is not second, third hand. This is 
Dr. Clayton Coombs is on our ministry team full time. He's the principal of Planet Shakers College, who's on our team. And and his wife, uh, Angela, her grandmother, who was from uh, China during the war and stuff like that, got saved and was came from a very poor place and was completely illiterate, completely illiterate, could not read anything anywhere. And she got saved and she knew that you know, the Bible was how we get to know God and, and that's all about our blueprint for life but from the relationship. So she said, God, would you help me be able to read? And from that moment instantly, bang, she was able for the rest of life to fluently read the Bible but never be able to read anything else. That's, that's, that's what you call a miracle. But my point is this. God responds to the desires of our heart when the desires of our heart originate from him. Do you think he wants you to know his word? See? If that's the cry of your heart, he goes, I'll bless that. I want you to know my word. So I just want to encourage you to be people of the word, people of prayer, but it's not that you have to. See, God Almighty says, you know what, in all your ways acknowledge me, I want to direct your paths. Ask me anything in my name and I will do it. How many, and we think, I need to? Okay, I get to? I get, really? If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God and God will give it to you. I get to do that? God Almighty, who knows everything, says, you know what, Steve, anywhere, anytime, 24-7, I want you to talk with me. I want you to acknowledge me. I want to talk with you. I want to reveal truth to you. I want to reveal the way to you. You know, Psalm 119, uh, verse 105, it says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I don't want you to stumble around. I want to declare your way to go step by step in the big picture of life. And he goes, would you like me to do that for you, Steve? And I say, yes, please. He goes, well, then just read my word. See, we think that God is asking all this much and he gives this little bit. We have to get back onto the way. That is how Christians think. It's all about you. Even people know that you go to church. Oh, you guys are the ones that now you go there and now you can't do anything. And you, and so, and we, the, the world believes and too often we believe God is the one holding out. And, and we have to do all this stuff and God gives this stuff. And that was originated back in the garden when God says in Genesis 2 verse 16, you are free to eat of all the stuff. Look at it all. Look at, see, God sarders all the stuff. Don't touch the one tree. We believe that he's reversed it. You know what? You can, you can have the one, but don't touch all the stuff. Rubbish, rubbish, rubbish. I come to give you righteousness, peace and joy in the Holy Ghost. Woo! Let's not believe the lie. I haven't even started yet. Let's not believe the lie that you become a Christian and your life narrows. The Bible talks about leading us into a spacious place. You're free to touch all, all this. Don't touch the one. And here, when I say don't touch the one, it's not because I'm a controller, it's because I'm a protector. Because if you touch it, you'll die. I don't want you to die. I know there's death in that one tree, so I want to protect you from the thing that you don't want. Let me tell you what freedom is. It's for freedom that Christ set us free. Galatians 5.1. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. Freedom is not free to do what you want. It's freedom from what you don't want. He says, don't touch the tree. There's death and I want you to be free from death. 
Don't commit adultery. Why? To control you. No, no, no. You're good in me. It's because I wanted to protect you from broken relationships. Don't lie. Why? To make you good. No, you're good in me. To keep you free from people not trusting you. Broken relationships. Everything that God says do, do, or don't do, every single thing that God says do or don't, all comes back to keeping us free from what we do not want. Every single one, without exception. And it all affects our relationship with him and our relationships with people, every single one. Why do you think God brought out the children of Israel? Man, this is going to different. This is just listening to, this is listening to the Holy Spirit. Hey, why do you think in Exodus 20 when the children of Israel have come out, he says, you know what? He starts it. We know the Ten Commandments, but the end of the verse before it, I'm the God who brought you out of Egypt, out of slavery, and I brought you into freedom. And now that you're free, here's ten things to keep free people free, not free people good. It is for freedom that Christ set us free. If I had written it, which aren't you glad I didn't, it is for perfection that Christ set us free. No, it's for freedom. Free from what you don't want. Free to be who I'm called you to be. Woo! What time do I finish? (laughs) (laughs) What is it? What time is that? What the? Yeah, it's 10 to 8. All right, Father, what do you want me to do? All right, I'm going <clears> to <throat> I'm gonna wrap this up in the next 10 minutes. Is that all right? Can you do that? Can you handle that? Because it's life worth following. I'm just dropping a nugget. What I was going to spend time on, I'm going to drop a nugget. You might say, but hang on. <clears throat> Let me encourage some of you that speak in different places, your leaders, you all do. Sometimes if we're not careful, the thing that God gave us, we become reliant upon rather than God himself. See, I'm a prophet, and I think, man, God, what do you want to say? I listen, he speaks, I download. That's literally, it makes prep really easy. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's just the way it is. Um, And so he speaks, I download. He he downloads, I just type. And my daughter say, you really don't have a real job, do you? Um, (laughs) And then you just have coffees with people. What's that? Um, My point is, I used to think, okay, God, I know you download, I listen, I hear it, and I pass on what you say. But inevitably, like this, most of the time I don't get near most of what he says. And I, and I, I stopped and thought, okay, God, I'm missing something. Did I not hear you clearly? Have you changed your mind? What's going on? Because I want to honor what you said, and you spoke it. And I'm not delivering it, not because I'm in disobedience, but you keep on changing things constantly. He's talking the whole time. It's like, I'm trying to do something. No, 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 no. joking. And he's talking and I'm listening. And he said, well, you got confused because you thought it was a one-stage process. You thought I'd download it to you. You hear it and you pass on exactly what I said. But it's this two-stage. Number one, this is actually about me and you having time together. And I want to download something into your spirit. I'm saying this for them. I'm just getting it into you. And it's never wasted. If you never share a single thing, you and I have had time together and I've revealed my word. And now that you're filled and now that you've just got the word buzzing around on the inside of you, you step into this place where you're starting to speak. And let me again draw from what you have 
get placed in there what I've spoken into you in the same way Jesus said it is written because God, the, the Holy Spirit drew out what he had placed in. And so I want to encourage you, don't, don't become more reliant upon what God has said in prep than what God is saying in the moment. My agenda is never to get through my agenda, but to keep in step with God's agenda. And God doesn't say, did you hear me when you prepped? He goes, are you listening now? Are you listening now? Are you listening now? Are you listening now? I've discovered that God changes instructions. Some of us are, no, 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 no. Yes, he does. Read your Bible. And this is not mine. I heard someone say this, but it's, oh, it stopped me on my tracks. I said, what would have happened if Abraham, who clearly heard from God, take your son, your only son, the, the one you love, you know, that son, yeah, yeah, yeah. Take him, and I want you to sacrifice him. He prepares, it takes weeks, it takes on the journey, goes up the mountain, climbs up, where's the, where, where's the sacrifice, Father? Well, God will provide. Goes up there and makes the altar, puts his son on it, lifts up the knife to kill him. Why? Because God said, kill your son. And in that moment, when the God said, now I don't want you to kill him, what would happen if he said, hang on, that can't be God, because God has said something already. Don't tell me God doesn't change instructions. He changes instructions all the time. Not because he's confused and not because you didn't hear. Let me just say this. You need to hear this. This is a word of release right now for someone in this room. This is a word of release right now. If God changes instructions, it's not evidence that you did not hear. It's evidence that you're listening. Now I've got about seven. I just want to leave you with this little thought. <clears throat> I pray Holy Spirit's been speaking to you tonight. I'm doing you good. A life worth following. Jesus is our example. And he said these words when he called people. He said, follow me. And now what he said? Follow me and, and I'll make you fishers of men. Follow me. See, Jesus did not come to primarily start a religion, including Christianity. So he came to connect people back to the Father. And he said, the way to the Father is through me. Come and follow me. And I noticed that he said, follow me. Follow me. Come. Come. Watch how I do life. Watch how I do relationships. Watch how I talk to people that are caught in adultery. Watch how I treat the children. Watch how I talk to the tax collectors. Watch, watch how I... Watch how I do what I do. Watch, just, just come. Follow me, and I'll make you fishers of men. I find it interesting that he said, follow me, before he says, I'll make you into something. As a leader, our starting point is following Jesus. Can I hear an amen? Come on. He said, follow me, follow me. Our continuing as a leader is based on those two words, follow me as well. It's not just good starting following Jesus. We've got to continue following Jesus. But here's where I want to throw it down just for five minutes. We've got to keep on entering the follow me towards Jesus. Amen? But you become a leader. You enter in embrace this life as a follower of Christ. You now echo the words to others, follow me. And so hang on, that's seriously, we follow Jesus. Okay. Let, let me let me bring the word of God to you. First Corinthians chapter eleven verse one, Paul says, "Follow me as I follow Christ." He says in the NIV, "Follow my example as I follow the example of Christ." 
Even as I was reading that just before, God highlighted me and said, notice it doesn't say follow my instructions, but follow my example. The greatest evidence that your leader is not that people follow your instructions, but that they follow your example. He said, follow my example. Follow the way I live. I'm going to keep on following Christ, but come on, follow me. I'm putting out a holy call in these five minutes to ask us to recommit to living a life worth following. This Paul who said, follow my example, follow me as I follow Christ, said in Philippians 4 verse 9, he said, whatever you have learned, whatever you have received, whatever you have heard from me, whatever you have seen in me, how many people know that about covers it? Listen, whatever you have learned, I've taught you, whatever you've received, you know when you just pick up by being around someone? Whatever you've heard, anything that's come out of my mouth, whatever you've seen in me, anything I've done, you can put it into practice and the God of peace will be with you. Is that a bold statement or is that a ridiculous bold? Is that just crazy? I need you to hear me. I need you to... Will you please, just in these last couple of minutes, please receive what I'm saying into your spirit, not into your mind? Because otherwise the mind, the, the mind will squash what the spirit wanted to say. This, Paul who, this, this apostle Paul who says, follow me as I follow Christ. This apostle Paul said, anything about my life, anything I say, do, anything, you can put it into practice. That's how confident I am. And the God of peace will be with you. Back it up to Philippians 3, the chapter before. In verse 12 and 13 and 14, he says, Not that I've already arrived, not that I've already attained, not that I'm perfect. I don't always get it right, but I am pressing on, forgetting the, the, the stuff behind me, and I'm pressing on to take hold of everything to which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Not that I've already arrived. Sometimes we say that, well, I can't say that because I'm not there yet. God says we need to say it now on this journey, but the condition is keep on following me and say, come on, follow me as I follow Christ. It's not follow me, it's follow me as I follow Christ. The same Paul said to Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, he said, don't let anyone look down on you because you're young. I'm just going to put this over here. Don't let anyone look down on you because you are young, but set an example to the believers. Paul said, Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. He was a senior leader. He said to the young Timothy, now this is my instructions to you. You're a leader. Now don't let anyone look at your age. Forget about your age. You're called of God. Now set an example to the believers. Set an example. Live a life worth following. And then he lists five things in speech, in life, in love, in faith, in purity. He says, I want you to be example in your speech. Not only what comes out of your mouth. Is, this is sometimes we think being example in our speech is we don't say swear words. And that is a part of it. And sometimes, I'm not joking, sometimes leaders, what comes out of our mouth, it's a bit crass, it's a bit close to the line. It's not really swearing, but it's, it's just, it's, it's like the world saying, it's, it's a Christianized version. I want to declare over our lives, set an example. This is not legalism. See, I start to talk like this. People say, now you get into law and legalism. Why is it that we say what the Bible says when we speak it as the truth? We go, this is law. Let's not lower the standard under the guise of grace. Jesus came and said, you heard it said, do not murder. I say, do not hate. He didn't lower the bar. He raised the bar. He says, do not commit adultery. I'm saying, do not even lust. Come on, I'm going to raise it. He says, set an example in your speech. It's not just the absence of swearing. It's in your speech. Set an example. Is your speech, uh, is your speech faith-filled or fear-filled? 
When, when problems go on, what comes out of your mouth when you're, when you're in the workplace and everyone's complaining and talking about retrenchment and, and worrying, what comes out of your mouth? Is there a confident hope in God or do you come down to the lowest common denominator or do we lift people up and say, and people say, how can you speak like that? Look at the reality of what's going on in your world and we can declare, yes, but my God is still good. Set an example in your speech. Set in your speech in your love. In the way we do relationships. Set an example in our faith, what we believe. In our purity, set an example. Follow me as I follow Christ. Follow me as I follow Christ. I I just want to throw this out there. And it's interesting. Let me just read this scripture here. And Actually, before I say that, he said, set an example in speech and life, love, faith, and purity. And then he says in verse 16 of 1 Timothy 4, he said, and I love this, it's, it just grabs me. He says to Paul, he's saying to Timothy, he's saying, watch your life and doctrine closely. I find as leaders, we watch our leadership and what we believe sometimes more than we watch our life. A true leader is not someone who can lead, but someone who's worth following. When you appoint people to positions of leadership, it's not first can they do the task, but do I want the people they're leading to become just like them? We reproduce after our own kind. And he says, what's your life and doctrine? I find it interesting that he put life even before doctrine. Watch your life and doctrine. Persevere in these. If you do, you will save both yourselves and those who hear you. Come on. That is a good scripture. Let me leave you with one more. Are you doing okay? You done okay tonight? First Corinthians chapter 10, verse 23 and 24. <clears throat> and then verse 31 to 33. First Corinthians 10, 23, 24 says, I have the right to do anything you say. Not everything's beneficial. I have the right to do anything. I'm under grace. I'm not under law. But not everything is constructed. Not everything builds up. No one should seek their own good but the good of others. Verse 31. So whether you eat or drink or whatever you do. How many people know that whatever you do covers everything? (laughs) Whether you eat, drink, ah, just whatever you do. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. This is an aside thing, but let me say it. God's challenged me on this, and I just feel God saying to challenge you on this. God says, do you honor me as much in your rest and, and your entertainment as you do in your work and your ministry? Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Do not cause anyone to stumble, whether Jews, Greeks, or the church of God, even as I try to please everyone in every way, for I'm not seeking my own good, but the good of many. And here's the reason, so that they may be saved. And do you know that scripture I started with? 1 Corinthians 11.1 1, Follow me as I follow Christ. That's the next verse. Live for the good of others, not for your own good. Whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God, so that people may be saved. Now follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. It's about those that come in contact with us that Father wants to have a relationship with. Jesus said, follow me. 
and I'll make you into something. You and I as leaders in the house of God, I want to leave you with this thought. Would you join me in saying a fresh tonight, Father, I want to, number one, keep on following you. And number two, help me to step up and pick up the holy call. Yes, the holy call. But can I say again, let's not live under pressure but with expectation. I travel the world and do things that that I do by the grace of God. I, it's not, I'm not under pressure, but I, I don't kid myself. People do look at me and say, is that what, if that's what God's like. Because of my position. I want to point them to God, not be a barrier that keeps them from God. I'm not perfect, but man, I am pressing on. And I'll stand before you boldly and say, would you, would you follow me as I follow Christ tonight? And I want you to be able to say that to anyone in your world. You want to know what God's like? Come hang out with me. Let them see how you treat your spouse and your children. Let them see what comes out of your mouth when you have that bad doctor's report or that bad work experience. How many people would agree with me and I need God's help on this? The last time I checked, we asked him, and he says, I'll do it. Especially if it's going to result in people coming to a relationship. We've got to believe that God wants to answer the prayers that we pray that are actually for his glory and the benefit of others. In fact, can I be bold enough as I close? I felt the Holy Spirit just say some of us need to change some of the prayers that we're focusing on. Some of our prayers are a little bit here, a little bit too much. And God says, it's not that I'm not interested, I just want to lift your perspective a little bit. He who refreshes others will himself be refreshed. You want to receive these answers? Stop praying about them and let's just start praying about some other people. Let me work on yours while you're praying about theirs. I wonder if you'd stand with me. I wonder if in this last moment you just connect with God. Would you reach out to God? And I, I just like to say, Father, we're asking you, Holy Spirit, to seal in our hearts all that you've spoken tonight that you want us to go away and meditate upon, connect with you over. Father, I ask you, I, I, I ask you deeply, Father, would no one leave here with a burden laid upon them, but rather would they leave with the burden removed off them? Holy Spirit of the living God, would you just bring refreshing to everyone as they sleep? Would you also just whisper this to them and reveal things, even as they're sleeping? And Lord, would you beckon us ever closer to you? And Lord, we declare as one, Father, we want to continue to follow Jesus all the days of our lives. We want to walk in the steps of Jesus. We want to treat people how Jesus would treat people. We want to speak to people how Jesus would speak to people. We want to love people like Jesus would love people. For Lord, we would also go a step further and say, Father, would you help us to have such a holy passion for you
and people that not under law but under grace by the empowerment of your spirit and the fix of our gaze and the pursuit of our lives, the passions, the desires, would we all live lives worth May people come into relationship with you through us. Lord, we know it's only through Jesus, but Jesus passed on the bed and said, you know what, the glory of the Father gave me, and now I've given to you for the same reason. In this world, we're just like Jesus, the Bible says. So, Father, would our lives be worthwhile? Bless these, your friends, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for coming out. Thanks for staying the journey and keeping your faith. I believe God's going to do something tomorrow. And can I encourage you to bring your expectation? Can we set the scene? Can we permeate the church and let God? Uh, God's given me a bunch of very clear statements that He's asked me to download, um, and I want to speak into. I, I think there's some things that Father wants to bring. I, I know in the Spirit there's a lot that. Father wants to do over the next 24 hours or so. So would you guys pray that his heart is revealed clearly? Could you do that for me? That would be great. God bless you. Thanks for having me.